Father in heaven, we just humbly bow in your presence. We bend the knee to you, Father, and we lift up our praises, our songs, our prayers to you. Now we open up the thing that you left behind for us. You put your Holy Spirit within us and you give us the word to live by. And Father, we pray that as we have fellowship with you in your word, which is your mind, and what you want us to know about life, I pray, Father, that we will just see how special those who have taken your word as truth and believed in your Son, his life in exchange for ours, just how special you consider us in your sight. And so, Father, I pray that we can just be nourished and strengthened by this manna from heaven this day, your holy word. I pray, Father, that it will change our lives. And I pray that we will come to even a greater appreciation through the knowledge that we gain from your word and the fellowship with you in Christ. And so, Father, bless your word this day. And may you be exalted in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we fellowshiped in the Word of God about what He wanted us to know about the death of His saints. And so first off, what I want to share with you is that those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and followed that plan of salvation, which is to believe in Him and then to do the things that He has asked and to be baptized into Christ and then to walk in His Word, to those it says that He gave to them, to us, to become sons of God. Then it says that also besides being children of God, that we are saints. And you know there are some who have taken that and made sainthood something that a group of people tried to vote upon. And if your life is lifted up to some special level, they will vote and give you sainthood in their recognition. And I say baloney. I've got some stronger words, but I'll reserve those. That, that's, that's, that's false doctrine. Because if you are here, and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you are a saint. You are a saint. There's no committee, there's no special group of people that can vote you into that. That's God's decision. And I want you to just see, it's used 62 times in the New Testament of who the saints of God are. I'm going to give you three because I think three ought to be able to do it. But in the letter to the Romans there in chapter 1 verse 7, it starts off like this. To all that be in Rome, you're beloved of God. Isn't that special? You are saints. You've been called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You're called to be saints. You know what the word saint means? It means special, set apart for a specific purpose. That means God sets you apart and has made you different from the rest of the world. That's what it means. You're set apart for Him. So you're a saint of God. In 1 Corinthians 1-2, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Who's the church? We are. We are the church. We're the called out. That's why it says to be called 
We're the called out of this world and separated from it. We are the church. And instead of at Corinth, we could say, which is here at Perrigan, at New Life. Church of God to them that are sanctified. That's what it means to be a saint. Sanctified, set apart. Called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Philippians 1.1 1, 1, Paul and Timotheus. I like it when he puts his full name there. Timotheus. Servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus. You see, you're a saint. You've been called to be a saint of God. You are special to Him. You are set apart. That's what we're referred to as. And in Ephesians 3.8, down there at the bottom, it says this. This is special. Unto me, who am the least of all you saints. And that was Paul writing that. I'm the least of the saints. That the grace of God may have been given. That I should be allowed to preach unto you the unsearchable riches of Christ what an honor but to the saints it's the unrich, unsearchable riches that we have in Christ come on youngins they're in the back welcome that's important for us to realize I want you to know how special you are to God in Christ Jesus and He has given to us unsearchable riches, untraceable, un, unfathomable. We can't, our mortal minds can't even comprehend what He's done for us. Praise God. Verse 9. I want all of us to see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And that's what we're going to talk about today is some mysteries. And that's why I say it got revealed. The mysteries which from the beginning of the world, think about this, from the beginning of the world until this time that Paul wrote it, this had remained a mystery. It had never been revealed to mankind. But he says now it was hidden God, but now God who created all things by Jesus Christ, He's given unto us these mysteries. And the Spirit is going to try to convey them to us and make them real this day. A couple verses later, the one I was focusing on was verse 18, but we're going to start in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. Listen to this passage of Scripture. For this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. You're named in Christ. That He would grant to us according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in our inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love, and this is our prayer, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. That passeth knowledge. That ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Praise God. You know we, they talk about we live in a three dimensional world. There's four dimensions right there. Breadth. Length. Depth. And height. 
I've heard tell we live in at least a 10 to 12 dimensional world. But man, I can only get to the first couple. I don't know about you, but there's exceedingly riches that we can't even fathom that goes through there. And then, did you know that all of this greatness and these riches are at work in you right now? Look at that last verse up there. Now, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in what? Us. Did you realize that already that the, the Holy Spirit, that Christ, the Word of God is within you and is at work to grant to you and I the power that works already in us. And we don't even tap into it, do we? We, we barely scratch the surface of that. Unto Him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all the ages. Amen. So I wanted you to first start off this day knowing how special you are and the marvelous things that God has already done that we don't even think about most of the times. But now I want to start getting into what the title and the, the hope of this is, is, is how are we raised and with what body do we come? And be, before we get to 1 Corinthians 15, and if you want to mark your scriptures at that, we'll be there in a minute. But first I want to go to Colossians chapter 1. And man, these are two very powerful sections of scriptures and I want us to get a hold of these. Colossians chapter 1 sets the stage for us to understand what's going to happen in, in 1 Corinthians 15. So in the first verse, uh, or first chapter, verse 9, it starts like this. So first, or Colossians 1, verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire. Okay, what's your desire in prayer, Paul? What is it for us? That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You see, it's so important to know the things of the Word of God and what they are for us and how special it is. It's important to know because that's where your faith latches on to get you through the trials and to understand. That we might, in verse 10, walk worthy of the Lord to be pleasing unto Him in all that we do. To be fruitful in every good work. But then again, he uses that increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might from that, according to his glorious power, and to all patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. And so what he's saying there is, is you're going to have many different seasons in your life. There's going to be times that you're going to need patience. I was waiting for an amen on that one living with me. There are times that you got to be long-suffering with what's going on. And then there's also times of joyfulness in this life. Giving thanks to the Father for all of them, which has made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now we're going to get deep on that one. You have an inheritance... With the saints in light. Boy, I don't see Tom here this morning, but he asked a great question Wednesday night, and we're going to dig deep into 
that, and we'll get into it a little more later, but those that was here on Wednesday, we're getting a little deeper into this. It's just leading right into it. The saints in light, because we talked about how we lost that light in the garden whenever they ate of the fruit. So, but He delivered us. This is what the Lord did in His death. And this is where we'll get deeper on the mystery that, I, that really affected me. He delivered us, the saints, from the power of darkness. And He translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. And it's in Him that we have redemption. Through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He is the image. There's, remember, the image. I'm just going to have to pause for a minute, Gary. I've got I to gotta fill everyone in because Wednesday we were talking about uh, in Genesis 46, it was the genealogy of the 70 that went into Egypt uh, with Jacob going to see Joseph there. And so we did the genealogy, but then we also did the genealogy that's in Genesis chapter 5. So I should have put that maybe as one of our scriptures. But in, in Genesis 5, it's the entire gospel written already just through the genealogy of the words. The ten people from Adam to Noah says that man is appointed to death and sorrow and frailty. But the God, the great God, is going to descend down from heaven teaching us that those who are sorrowful for our condition will find comfort and rest. And every one of those names means those words. Adam means man. And you go on with each name and the translation of it was the gospel message that I just gave you. And, but what we started out with in Genesis 5, 1 and 2 was it says that Adam who was a son of God, created by God uh, in the image and likeness of God, because of the fall that was in the garden, that verse says that whenever he knew his wife Eve, and she delivered forth a son and named him Seth, it says that it was in Adam's image and after his likeness. So the question was asked, Wow, we've always heard that we are in the image and likeness of God. But there it says that after the fall, we became after the image and likeness of Adam. And so we had a great discussion on how that we are part of that still, but part of it we lost and we have to gain back. And that's what we gain back through Christ right here is that, that light. We went from the kingdom of light to the kingdom of darkness, and we're going to see in a little bit that in Adam, through Adam, all die. But in Christ, those who are in Christ are made alive again, and back to that image, that full image of God that was with light. And so when it says here that he was, verse 15, the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. Not that He's the firstborn of those who died and rose again. That's what He's the firstborn of. And when we follow Him in that, then we become back to that image of Him that's in us. Okay, now verse 16. Because by Him, 
All things were created that are in heaven and in the earth, whether they're visible or invisible. Whether they're thrones and dominions and principalities and powers, that's all of our enemies. The fallen angels, that's, that's their hierarchy. Whether it be those things, but all of them, we got to remember we're created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, which is the church. We're the part of that body. We are part of His body to regain His likeness and light in those things. And it says, Who is the beginning of us, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things He might have preeminence? For it pleased the Father, that in Him should all fullness dwell. And look at this next verse. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, to reconcile all things back to Himself, to bring us all back to what we were before the fall. By Him, I say, whether they are things of earth or in heaven, and you, me, us, who were sometime alienated, we were enemies in our minds and had our wicked works, we were enemies with God and alienated from Him, He has now reconciled us. Through that blood of the cross. In the body of his flesh through death. Keep thinking on this thing. Because it's going to get good at the end. To present us. Holy and unblameable. And unreprovable in his sight. That means Satan can't say anything about us. If we're in Christ. We're his. And we're, we're washed. And we're cleansed. And there is none of these things. That can be brought back to us. Because of the blood of the cross. If you continue in faith, grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope that is in this gospel, the good news which you heard and which we preach to every creature under heaven. You hear that? The gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven, the Word of God says. One way or another, whether it's through nature, whether it's through evangelism, whatever it is, it says that it has been preached to every creature under heaven Whereof Paul, I have been made a minister. Now, so I rejoice in my sufferings for you to fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, the church. Wherefore, I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. Even, and here we go again, the mysterio. Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations. But now has been made known to who? Saints. Maybe the world don't know it. But we got to try to tell them. Because the mystery, this mystery is made known to us now. The saints. We, we've learned what others. It said all of the folks in the Old Testament. All the prophets look forward Jesus said to my day. Because this now revealed the mysteries that was in the Word of God. To whom God, in verse 27, made known, again, that word riches. The riches of the glory of the mystery to all of us that are Gentiles. What is the mystery? Look at what it says there. Christ in you. The mystery that has been from the beginning is Christ 
in us. What he did for us. And when we believe that in faith and we are baptized into Christ, then now Christ is in us and that is the hope of our glory. You know what the hope of our glory is? To get back to where we were before the fall as a body of light, as that one that has fellowship with God, that is fully in the image and likeness of God. That's what the glory of that is, the hope of the glory. No longer a dying person with no hope and everything's gone, but now to be made alive with Him forever and to be clothed with His righteousness and glorious body, that is our hope of glory in that heavenly realm. And so we preach that and we want to warn every man, teaching every man with wisdom that we might present all that we can perfect in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great section of Scripture, is it not? About who we are and what we are and how. The mystery is that Christ is now in you and you have become that because He's in you. That's the mystery. That's why He had to die. And that's why we have to die. Because we got to get rid of this, this body to get the one to be a saint in light with Him and to be clothed with His. That's the mystery. That's the death, burial, and the resurrection. Death is a must. Because without dying, we stay lost in this flesh right here. We stay in our place. So now, I told you, now go to 1 Corinthians 15 where we left off last week with all of this as a precursor and a foundation for that. Now, we don't want to be stuck in the kingdom of darkness, but now translated into the kingdom of light to be filled with that hope of that glory. That's why we must be born again. And in 1 Corinthians 15... Down about verse 35, this is where we left off last week with the question. How are the dead raised? And with what body do they come? Some men will say, how are they raised and with what body they come? That's a good question, isn't it? We wanted the answers to that, so we've been working on it. I want to know too. First of all, Paul hits them pretty hard for... Either because they had wrote him a letter and he's been explaining things. So either this is something they ask or he's supposing that they want to know. One of the two is that when they ask this question, he says, thou fool, you fool. And I thought, wow, Paul, that's pretty harsh. I mean, how would you all feel if I just come up in here and I go, man, you are a bunch of fools. <laughs> I thought, wow, he didn't take that influence and friends and making people whatever that course was that the guy had. He, he just come right out, you fools! And I mean the word used there is someone who willfully is not ignorant, doesn't want to learn about the things. And so I know that's none of us because we're all here today because we want to learn. So I'm glad I never have to use that kind of talk. But he was pretty stiff with them. And he's going to give us three examples. We want to get back to that body of light. Back to the image and likeness of God fully and not just partially. Right now we have some likeness. We have, we, we have self-consciousness. If you call my name... I'll turn around and answer because I have a self-consciousness of who I am. I have the ability to think. I have the ability to make decisions, to choose yes or no. So that is part of that likeness. 
But the pure image that was before the fall, we've got to get back to that last part of it. And so he says, you want to know how to do that? Let me explain. And he's going to give us three different ways. It starts off with plant life, with agriculture. He teaches them in the ways that they can understand. So he says, first of all, and, and I've changed up to the new American Standard version of the Bible because it explains it in, in a little bit easier terms for us because this is really deep. So the first example, he says in verse 36, is that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now that answers right off the bat why we have to die, right? Because he says, if you want to be raised in that new image, you have to die first. First, and it's both spiritual and physical. We die spiritually when we say, I'm yours, I die to this life, I am now following your way and following what you tell me to do. So that was that. And then our physical body will have to follow through with the same thing. And this is how the process takes place. He says, That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body, which is to be, but a bare grain of a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. So in other words, all of you that plant flowers or gardens... Bones, whenever you're planting green beans, do you take an old plant that you pulled up from last year, the leaves and the roots and everything, and do you dig a, a huge hole and bury that whole plant? Nope. What do you bury? The seed. the seed that came from the plant. So if we want to have something grow again, it, it's not from this same body that we had before, right? Because see, the seed is the real us inside, the soul, the spirit. And so it was contained in the old plant, he's saying. But the old plant, it, that's buried because the seed that's inside of it has to be taken out and buried. Two, the seed, so since it's within us, it has to be buried. He said it, the, the whole plant and the seed, it's the seed, it's... You're not looking for that which has gone past this old body, but what's going to come anew from what is came from that old body, the seed that was within it. So then he says, and then in verse 38, and then God will give to it, which is our soul or spirit in long term, a body as He wished. To each of the seeds He gives it a body of its own. So, the seed of a green bean plant bears a green bean plant. A tomato seed is going to bear a different plant, a tomato plant, but it came from the same process. And so it is with us. Every one of us is kind of same in that we're human, but when you look at us, we're all different too, aren't we? We are all unique, but yet the same. We're the same as human, but we're unique in our physical appearances and our height and our size and our different things. So he says, but God gives it a body as he wishes or desires. And I thought, well, you mean wishes or desires. So I looked that up. And it is a wish or a desire, but the word means that it's because God being omniscient knows everything and the conditions. And so he's going to supply us with a body that is meant for the place that we're going to. 
Because, as we're going to find out in a minute, the heavenly realm, the celestial realm, is different from the earthly realm. So you've got to have a different body to cover the seed that's in you, this, this soul and spirit that I have. So to mean that he gives it one as he wished means as he has determined because he knows what is best for you. Just as a father and a mother for their children knows what's best and they try to provide it, God is wanting to provide for us the type of body that's suited for the heavenly realm to be with him. And so to, to help us understand that, he moves from plant life. He, he gives us plant life so that we can understand the seed and the new birth from that. But now about the body that we're going to have, he's going to go to the animal kingdom. So now in verse 39, he starts talking about the flesh. All flesh is not the same kind of flesh. And I sat there and wrote, have you ever thought of that? Have you ever just thought that not all flesh is the same kind of flesh? And he goes on to say, there's one type of flesh of the beast of the field. There's a type of flesh of the birds. There's a type of flesh of the fish that are in the sea. So now I begin to understand that as God has wished or determined for what's best of us, just think, if He took who we are, the human flesh, and then placed us to be in the middle of the ocean or Lake Monroe down here and put us on the bottom, would we survive? No, because that's not the, the body that was determined by God to live in the environment that it lives in. You see, birds have a special kind of flesh and bone. They have hollow bones so that they're not heavy and so they can fly because where's their environment? Most of the time it's in the sky and they're flying around. So the birds have a different kind of body and flesh and, and things because God predetermined and knew that if you're going to be there, i got to design you this way. Now, we've got a saying that whenever I'm very uncomfortable, I'm like a fish out of what? You ever heard that said? Now, if you take a fish from its environment underwater, and when you catch him and reel him in, have you ever threw him up at the bank and watch what he does? He does. He flops and thrashes all around, doesn't he? Because he is out of his environment, and it's going to kill him if he stays out of his environment. But you toss him back in the water, and he's happy as a lark, and he goes swimming right off. But you throw a cow or me in the water, we're going to thrash and everything in that environment until you get us back out here. So God says, what I want you to know is why you have to die and lose this body. The seed that's within you, your soul and spirit, needs to be clothed with something. But the body you have here now in this fallen earth is not one that can stand heaven. If we go up very high in the atmosphere right now and was without a spaceship, what would happen to our body? It would either freeze to death in one section of it or burn up in another section of space and there's no oxygen so we couldn't breathe. But when Jesus arose with His resurrection body and then He told them in Acts 1 to stay here until you're endued with the power and we're going to start this thing called the church. And then it said He began to ascend up into heaven into the clouds. If He was in His body before death, He couldn't have done that, could He? Because that, 
by the time he started going through the clouds and into that second layer of space before you get to the third heavens where the throne room is, because it says now that he is sitting on the right hand of God, waiting until God says, go and get your kingdom and make your enemies your footstool. So to have went that way, he couldn't have done it in this body. So we have to have a different body for the dip different atmosphere that there is and so now to help us understand that he takes us to the third example and I think I covered everything through here to get to that so in verse 40 it says there are heavenly bodies or celestial and there are earthly bodies or terrestrial so our environment is what dictates the body that we have that God wishes or predetermined for that to be. And then he says this, there are heavenly and celestial bodies, and each one of them has its own what? Glory. The glory of the heavenly is one type, and the glory of the earthly is another. You see, we just read in Colossians how that we want to get back to the glory of the everlasting body of light that God had for us, right? Well, we can't do that with our earthly body because the glory of this body is one which isn't really much of a glory at all. We're going to find out in a minute. It's full of shame and corruption and different things. But we want to get to a different glorious body that's designed for that realm. So he says... Let me explain by showing you the difference now. We've went from plant life and animal life. And now we're going to go to the different realms between earth and heaven. So he says now in verse 41. He begins to show some of these uh, information about the heavenly realm. There is one glory of the sun. There's another glory of the moon. And another glory of the stars, for stars different from star to star in their glory. Now, a lot of times, the sons of God, uh, the angels, are referred to as stars as well. And so are some of the ministers. If you look in, in Revelation chapter 1, it says he owes the seven stars in his hands. And he's talking about, it says, the ministers of God. So, stars represents different things. In Joseph's dream, if you'll remember, he had a dream of the sun and the moon and his brothers were the stars and they were all worshiping him. So uh, stars represent that. And he says there's different glories for all of them. It could be referring to the different rewards that we might have in heaven for this life that we have lived. Because there's different ones. We're all going to be different. Just like it said. All of us are going to be different. All of our, our bodies are going to be ones. I'll give you a clue that we can recognize. But they're going to have different appearances. And uh, you remember when we talked about Satan uh, a while back. And how that it talked in Ezekiel 28 on how he was decked out with all of the precious stones, that he was the most beautiful creature of the angels that God had created. And he had the special stones that was all over his body in light. And he walked in the fires of, of God in that garden of fire. And the stones of fire that was there, he was bedecked out. So we're all going to be different 
according to the things that we've done on this earth. And that's where we're going to go next week a little bit. Preview of those coming attractions about what's it going to be like when we go to that and the, the body that we're going to have. But they all different. What's the difference between the sun and the moon? Well, the sun is a light bearer, isn't it? It gives light, but does a moon have light of its own? It reflects light. So, he said, one glory is one who, who is a light bearer. Another glory is one who doesn't have so much light, but they're good at reflecting the light that is around them. And the same thing with the stars. Some, some are big, some are small, some are gaseous, some are dense. They're all in different things. So then in verse 42... All of these things in these three examples, he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. So everything up to this point has been to teach us what it means for us. How he wanted us to be able to understand it and view it. And he says, this is the way it is. <clears throat> You're going to sow this perishable body and it's going to be planted. It's a body that is has been through the fall designed as a physical death to decay and go back to the dust of the ground from which it came. But when it's raised up, it's going to be an imperishable body. One that's indestructible, immortal, able to withstand, just like Jesus arose through all of that stuff, the heat, the cold, the... No, we will have the same type of body that He has. It is sown in dishonor. In other words, it... It, the word means intrinsic value. So it, it has little intrinsic value in and of itself. But when it is raised, it is raised in glory. You see that? And where do we get that glory? From the mystery of Christ in us that He brings us back to that glory in light. We will be a body like His. Thank you for the amens. This, this should be exciting for everyone. It's going to be raised in glory. Intrinsic worth. That mystery that was revealed. It's sown in weakness. But it's raised in power. That's dunamis. Dunamis. Where we get dynamite. It is raised in power. The power, miraculous power of God. And it's within us. And we said in the other verses... That we have a power, the ability to do things way beyond anything that we can think. By the power that is already at work in us. It's already within us a little bit. We've got to tap into it. But we're going to be raised by that power. It is sown, verse 44, a natural body. That means a soul. It, it's, it's grown up as a soul, but when you come to Christ, you gain your spirit. That's why you're born again of the water and of the Spirit. So it is sown a natural body, no spirit. Sensuous. But it's raised a spiritual body. The life of God is spirit. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him will worship Him in spirit and in truth. The body that was planted was physical and earthly. The body that will be raised is spiritual or heavenly. So that's the difference between the earth and and the heaven, the celestial, and the terrestrial. It's two different realms. And to go there, you've got to be born again to have a different body. As it is written, verse 45, The first man, Adam, 
the one through all of us are sown in this body was a living person. But the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a life-giving spirit. He returns the glory to us. The first one was not spiritual, but earthly and natural. The second one is from heaven. The earthly body for those that are earthly. The heavenly body for those that are heavenly. Amen. And then it says this, Just as you have borne the image of the earthly, remember that goes back to Genesis 5, he bore Seth in his image and likeness, because in Adam all have died and been sown in this natural body. We shall also, through Christ, bear the image of the heavenly. Praise God. And this knowledge then begins to unravel and reveal the mystery of why we must die and be born again, spiritual and physical. Now look at verse 50. Now I say this to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why again, that flesh and blood, the earthly sown body, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Here's another mystery that I got. Here's something I've wondered forever. When I studied through Genesis, and you remember in the fall, when God now told them what was going to happen to all three of them, but then the Godhead took a conference, and they said that man, by eating of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, has become one like us, knowing good and evil. And then there's pause in the original. And then it says, So God removed them from the garden and placed the swirling, fiery sword to guard the entrance. And God guarded the access to the tree of life and removed it later on. And it's now in the heavenly realm. But you know why God had to do that? Because now in that fallen state, and not having died to be born again and raised, if they had ate of the tree of life, they'd have remained in that earthly state. So God protected them and us from remaining in that state by removing that tree of life and placing it into the heavenly realm and guarding them from having access to it. Because we want to bear the image of the heavenly again and not of the earthly and be stuck in it. So he says that flesh and blood, because they would have stayed that way, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does the perishable the weak, the dying, that have the ability to inherit that which is eternal. Just as the fish doesn't survive in the field or a cow in the ocean, so mortal flesh and blood will not survive in the heavenly realm. So it's by grace, then, that we have been appointed to death, or else we would not be able to be raised again unto eternal life. And so in verse 51, with all of that, he says, See, behold... I'm revealing to you a mystery. And that mystery is that everything that we have learned, but now what about those of us that might be alive at the time that He returns for us and not already planted? He says, I'll, I'll tell you that mystery. We'll, we'll not all sleep, but we all in Christ will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
For this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortality must put on immortality. And when this happens, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then will come about the saying from God which is written. You guys read it for me. What is the saying of God? Yeah, death has been swallowed up in victory. I'm going to be strong. But this is where the Holy Spirit really revealed something to me. I've always just read that and felt good about it and moved on. You know, death swallowed up in victory. But then it got revealed to me that that death that was swallowed up was what Christ did on the cross. You remember in Matthew chapter 20 when the mother of James and John came to Jesus and said, I want my sons to sit on your right and your left hand. And he said, woman, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? He drank the cup so that death would be swallowed up in victory. His death and resurrection, He swallowed our death. He tasted, it says in the book of Hebrews, death for every one of us. He swallowed our cup. He swallowed our punishment. That death was now swallowed up in victory when He arose. Praise God. And that makes that communion supper that he said, I'm going to leave you something for this memory. That you partake of this each week in remembrance of what I did for you. And what was it he did? Death was swallowed up in victory. And so when we partake of the body and the representation of the body and the blood of Christ, it's we are remembering that his death swallowed death completely. Praise God. It swallowed it completely so that we could have life in Him and in Him be restored back to the image, pure image and likeness of God. So then he says, if you be armed with this knowledge now, therefore give thanks to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord, who tasted death and swallowed it for us. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, knowing this, be firm, be steadfast and unmovable in your faith, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing with this truth in mind that your work is not in vain. There's a heavenly realm awaiting for those in Christ. So as... The praise team returns and we close. I pray this day that we have learned why death is an appointment that we have to keep because we want to go on to what the next one is with the new body that we're clothed with. Because flesh and blood, mortality does not inherit the kingdom of God. We have to be changed. It comes through faith in that new birth. Jesus said in John 3 that you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Praise God. Then to continue on in faith and walking and obeying His commandments 
And then we will be clothed with, well, next week we're going to see all of that. Lord willing, we'll go deeper than this even. Not only with the bodies, but the underworld compartments and all of the things and, and, the, and the sequence of events that, that take place. But please, don't leave here this day not washed in the blood of the Lamb. Born again of the Spirit of God. Please obey Jesus' teachings so that we can inherit those riches to be plant this body of mortality to arise immortal. And then I want you to know this one last great quote of Scripture as we get ready to, to sing this song of encouragement and to, to partake of this Lord's Supper. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 when they ask what we must do. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if, so it leads right to this, and if the Spirit of Him then who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you by obeying that and you receive that gift. If He's living in you the one that raised Jesus from the dead, He will also now give new life, immortal life, eternal life to you through His Spirit that now lives in you. Is that not one of the greatest promises that we can be left with? Amen. Praise God. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Father, Hallowed be thy name. And Father, we just praise you for your word. The hope that it gives for life. Thank you for Jesus. Praise you for giving him, Father. Praise Jesus for drinking the cup and not forsaking it. When they were mocking him, Saying, you've healed, you've done these things for others. You did things for them. Save yourself now. Come down from there if you be the Son of God. And all the mocking and the spitting and the, and the derision. He held on because he looked for the glory that his death would provide. That he had to drink that cup. So that we might live in glory in him. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And may your word that we've fellowshiped with you this day glorify you for what you did in your Son and your Spirit. And may we now be your ambassadors for Christ on this earth. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.